Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Gracious Father, as we open your word, Father, help us to understand how to understand it, Lord. Things that are sometimes texts are complex in themselves, and they some come to wrong conclusions. Help us, O Lord, to come to what you say your word means. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for inviting me again. We had fun in Sabbath school. I think everyone should go to Sabbath school. We can get some good discussions going, can't we? This morning, telling a lie long enough, you start to believe it. This morning, this little cartoon, I don't know if you can see it real well, but it an inconvenient truth, a reassuring lie. Okay? There are two lies being told in Christianity today. The first one is great, gaining acceptance in bigger portions. Polygamy is growing in acceptance in America. Let's move on. And the fact is, since this program that's up there right now, Sister Wives has come on back in about 2010, Polygamy has gone from 7% acceptability to over 17% acceptability. Okay? They portray it as something nice. But let me, I want you to understand is, today in Christianity, the Mormons believe, about 12% of the Mormons believe in polygamy is okay. Roman Catholics, 10% of them believe it's okay. And Protestant America, 9% of them believe it's okay. And every year it's gaining in more popularity. But they don't tell you some of the side effects. Genetic diseases are tremendous. In one community in this country... There are two men are related, the whole people of this one community are related to two de, from two descendants, two men. They draw all of the genetic pool from them. That's a problem. There's addiction, abuse, and all those things. And they, they say they get it from the Bible this morning. As they say that, I want you to realize that it's not what they wanted, they, they were interpreting it. After Abraham had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abraham's wife Sarah took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, and Abraham, the husband Abraham, as his wife. This is the only time that appears in the Scripture, as his wife. So let's go back and see what the Scripture really says. The Bible portrays Hagar. Hagar it improved her status. Really, she did. She became haughty. She kind of looked at Sarah and probably said, it's not Abraham's problem. There's no problem with Abraham. I'm pregnant. You have a problem. Is that a put-down, ladies? That very first polygamy, one of the first polygamy we read about in the Scripture is this one. It's not the first one, but this is one of them. 
Is there did in this in this does this introduce hatred? Does this introduce competition? Does this introduce strife? Absolutely. Abraham said to Sarah, when it was get to got too hot, he said to her, Sarah was complaining about Hagar, he said to her, Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarah treated her harshly, and she fled from her, her presence. Again, we have this dynamics here is does Abraham see her Hagar as his wife? No. So that text, even within the Genesis, Genesis, it doesn't prove that God approves of polygamy. Hagar is never seen as more than a slave. In Galatians chapter 2, chapter 4, verse 24, this is an allegory speaking. For these women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing a child, who are to be slaves. Slaves. She is a what? Hagar. How did they view Hagar? A servant. A slave. The Bible does not portray her as a wife. Interesting that many people today are saying it's okay. In fact, is the unchurched people in America today, under 30, feel that 32% of them feel polygamy is an okay thing. But this morning, I can show you that it's not from God's Word. Let's take a deeper look at the family and leadership style, because this is another area that I believe we've been telling ourselves a lie. Polygamy tells us that a lie that is it's a wonderful thing, but let me tell you, you want to read the statistics of child abuse? You want to read the statistics of spousal abuse? Domestic violence? It's there. What they show on the TV is not real life. Go on the internet someday and type in polygamy and you will see the story. And it is not a pretty story. But there is another not-so-pretty story too in the Scripture of misuse of a, of, of a Bible text. Let's take a deeper look. And as I said, how many have ever heard the text, rule over? Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule what? rule over you. What does that text mean? Does that mean the husband has the final say-so? What does it mean? Because many Christian circles, many Christian men say, I am the boss. I make the final decision. When my Dorothy and I got married, we used to laugh and had a saying because her father believed that the man had the final saying. And I would go, there's the boss and the one who thinks they're boss. Okay? We laugh. We still say that. Who's the boss around here? And when our daughter was about two years, three years old, she'd go, who's the boss around here? 
But you know, God has said what type of biblical boss, biblical husband should be. Man's leadership role in the garden was, de was described in the terms of caretaker. A caretaker brings what? The plant to its best possibility, right? Or the animal to its best possibility. Here's what it said in the scripture. In Genesis. Let's move it to the next one. And then God said, let us make man in our, our image and accordance to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God made man a caretaker. When it uses that word rule over, it does not put him in a position of being the boss but a caretaker, a servant. The wrong use of the Scripture will result in the wrong choices. The wrong use of that text, rule over, will create either a, a robot or an explosion that destroys and you say, well, Pastor Alto, I don't, I don't see that as a problem. Look at some in our church, folks. I have seen men in this church, and the Adventist church says, I am the authority. I am the head of the household. I will not argue the fact that God has assigned man as the head of the household. But I will tell you, he has described how we are to lead. The question is often asked. The Sister White wrote so many things about the prophet wrote many things on this. A hundred over a hundred years ago, she was addressing this issue, and I believe it's an issue that needs to be addressed again. The question is often asked: Shall a wife have no will of her own? The Bible plainly states that the husband is head of the family. Why submit yourself unto your own husband? If this injunction ended here, we might say that, a, that the position of a wife is not an enviable one. Wow. Didn't say it was, if it ended there, it's not. Let's move on. Be careful how you understand the meaning of Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. This passage must be understood in the light of the whole Bible. Because then if it's not, we'll come to the wrong conclusion. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, and in pain you will get, bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Boy, that sounds really, doesn't sound too good, women, right? You like that text? When you understand what it really is saying, it becomes a beautiful text. But if misused, Ellen White said it has caused more damage to the family than you want to think about. The wrong interpretation of the Genesis 3.16 does violence to the institution of marriage, she said. Here's what she said. 
When a husband requires complete subjection of their wives, declaring that the woman has no voice or will in the family, but must render entire submission, they place their wife in a position contrary to what? Wow. I have heard people say, I, the Bible says the man is the head of the household. Yes, but how is he to lead? It's not what we think it is. Inter- in interpreting the Scripture in this way, they do violence to the design of marriage institution. She is very much addressing an issue in her day. And it's still an issue. And I know that there are people who believe this because I have met them. I have the final say. Let me illustrate what I want you to grasp. There's a book called Leaders Eat Last. Okay? By Simon Sink. And it's a good book. You, you want to read a book? That's a good book. Because it, it describes what happens. The Ford Motor Company, and I can't give too many illustrations get done when I'm supposed to get done, but the Ford Motor Company back in 2006 hired a guy to be this new CEO. When they hired him, one of the reporters asked him if he was going to quit driving his Lexus. He said, it's the best car in the market. He says, I'm not quitting. And then he started to deal with his employees, his different vice presidents. The previous vice president always wanted to have an upbeat report. It took him somewhere around because they didn't want to ruffle the, 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 the old CEO, the old boss. So they just gave him what they wanted to, he wanted to hear. The company was going bankrupt, folks. He looked at them and took him nine months, and the first vice president said, it's not going so well. It took him nine months for the, the, that company to realize that he wanted to hear what they had to say. You see, if you lead by, uh, by arbitrary, autocratic, you miss the information down here. You, on a Navy ship, on a Navy submarine, there was a captain, and he was trained for a different sub, but they, brought, they gave him one of the, what they call a Santa Fe class Navy sub, and, and he gave the orders, and I forget the amount of speed it was, but he gave the orders to the, guy, the, the officer at the helm, and he said, I want you to take this sub, and I want you to put it at three, I think, two-thirds speed. And he said, that's going to empty the batteries, and they're going to have to deal with it. And then, uh, then they looked over at the guy who was at the controls, you know, that sailor was at the controls, and he's perplexed. And he says, what's wrong to, the, to that sailor? He says, what's wrong? He says, sir, we don't have that speed on this ship. We, we just don't have that. We don't have that. It's not here. He looked back at the, the officer of the helm and he says, why did you 
give the command if you knew that that didn't go that way because he had been on that ship for two years. He says, sir, because you commanded it. And then he realized that if he was going to lead, he had to have the information from here before he could lead. Because they were, had to be empowered to make decisions. The fact is, he took that ship and he said to the, to the different people, he says, if you have the responsibility of doing that job, he says, you have that responsibility. And for the one who was supposed to take the ship down, the sub down, he says, you tell us when you're taking it down. It's not, yes, sir, I will, we're, we're preparing to dive. He says, all you have to say, sir, we are diving. That's it. The officers and the crew were so empowered on that ship that they signed up for another three years. God is saying to you and I, we need to understand what rule over means. Because it is not, he says, the man said, I was addicted to power. He said, but I was not really leading. It is a serious danger to stop reading and thereby coming to the wrong conclusion. Many husbands stop at the word, at the word wives, submit yourself. But we will read, read the con conclusion of the same injunction, which is, as it is fit in the Lord. Okay? That text in, in says, Submit. But it also says that as is fit in the Lord. There's a difference, folks. This morning, the wrong conclusion often leads to damaged lives. I want to tell you, and I will say it again, if, you, if a husband says, you must submit, he wants a robot, he gets a robot. But often when you get a robot, you get rebellion under the surface. You know how to do that? The one time there was a guy who was went to on an airplane, and you know how many have ever been in the airplane and they delayed your flight for? Okay, last time I flew out of Tallahassee, they delayed my flight so much. It was my first time flying out of here, and they delayed it what eight hours before we ever got off the ground. And this guy was said the flight was delayed. He walked up to the flight attendant at the desk and says, "I'm going to be down over here at this this place." And he says, "Come get me when." The plane gets here. The guy said, oh, okay. Then he turned around after the guy walked away and said, we'll be a cold place in a certain place before I go down and get him. You can be obedient to their face, but very rebellious what? Under the surface. That's not what God designed our homes to be, is it? God has not designed our homes to be that. This is the interpretation. This, this interpretation is made simply that they may exercise arbitrary rule, which is not their prerogative. But we read on, a husband love your wife and be not bitter against them. 
when you are arbitrary, I don't care if it's a wife or a husband who is being arbitrary, love is walking out of the home. And the home is being destroyed quietly. And it's not just hurting the wife. It's hurting the children. It's hurting everybody that comes into that home. This is serious. What does it mean to rule over? The rule over in Genesis 3.16 was never designed to condemn, condone ruling in severity such as being arbitrary. It's because I said so. It's destructive. I know. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. Love just kind of folds in and dies. And sometimes it's not a pleasant place to be. You shall not rule over him with severity, but are to revere your God. Here's God using that word, rule over, in a way that is appropriate. He says you are not to rule with severity, but you are to rule to bring them up. To bring the best out of them. To revere God. How does God rule us? Zap you because you get out of line like many people believe? Or does he compassionately forgive us and help us change? Is he bringing out the best in us? Yeah, absolutely. To be a ruler, to be rule over here, is to be a servant. Your position should never be self-serving. I'm right. Me too. Have you ever had that in our home? Don't raise your hand. How many have ever tried it? Did it? Does it work well? Jesus called them, his disciples, to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and that their great, their great men exercise authority over them. Jesus acknowledges that the wrong type of rule over is in our world. It's not wrong to want to be a leader. But how you lead can be very wrong. How do you like it up there? The top one, the boss is sitting in the chair and what? Work. The bottom one, the leader is what? Out leading the work. There's two different ways to lead. Jesus led by being the servant out front, right? That is the way it should be in our home. It is not, the, this, not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your what? Servant. You see, the one who wants to lead must be a servant. He cannot have the attitude, I am in the position of authority. If you want to be want to lead, then be a servant. The slide on can move on in the slide, please. 
Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your what? Your what? Oh. Jesus signed Adam up to be whose slave? You ever think of it that way? But he didn't, what he really was saying, Adam, you have the responsibility to bring the best out in your wife. When a man rules with bringing the best out in his wife, does she have a problem in being honoring him? Does she have a problem in submitting to his leadership? No. Yet I have met men who have said, I am the boss. And I've met Seventh-day Adventists who say it. I am the head of the household. I make decisions. If I am the head of the household, I better know who knows what is important and know who's best at making some of those decisions. Because I don't like to keep the books. I like to give. Give me my little bit of money I have for the month and I'll be happy. But don't ask me to pay the bills. Don't ask me to make those figures work out right. Because I'm not gifted that way, folks. I like to be on and doing something different the next minute later. But my wife loves to do it. Good leadership recognizes the skills of those around them. Good biblical rule over recognizes those those skills. A leader gives his life for the ones he serves. Just as, as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve. To be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for how many? For all. For many. Wow. When a husband has that attitude, what happens in the home? I believe angels love to come to homes like that, don't you? I believe angels love to be there. There's a concept that's been taught, and this concept I want you to pay for this. Let's go to the next one, please. Because I'm going to be here for a few minutes. It's taught by an individual, and many people have bought into it. In fact, it says that if you're under God, you're under the umbrella of God, the husband is under the umbrella of God, then the wife is under the umbrella of her husband, and she is not responsible for what he asks her to do. That's not biblical. Follow with me. That concept of rule over here is that he has the final authority. Who decides my eternity? God does. Does my wife decide my eternity? Do I decide her eternity? You see, this concept says the wife is not responsible for her because she's obeying her husband. That's not true. 
And there are pe- there are wa- there are people who love that women who love that concept. Says, "Well, I'm not responsible because I'm just obeying my husband, even though I know he's wrong." Oh, here's what I want to share with you next. A woman is accountable for her actions, not her husband. If she knows something is not right spiritually, she knows that it needs to go. God requires that the wife shall keep the fear and the glory of God before her. Before her, entire submission to be is to be made only to the Lord Jesus Christ, who has purchased her as His own child, and by the infinite price of His life. Only person who has complete submission is Jesus Christ. Period. Not to the husband, not to anybody else. You must make a complete submission to Jesus Christ. Because He has paid the price for you. Okay? This morning you say, well, I don't know if I've ever seen this. Well, I've seen it more than I want to see it in my 71, almost 71 years of life. I have a brother-in-law that basically says, I am the head of the house. What I say must has to be done. And he does some things that I wouldn't even want to talk about. But she goes on to say, God has given her a conscience which she cannot violate with impunity. In other words, just overlook it. God requires each individual to be submitted to Jesus Christ completely. And a husband cannot rule his home as a dictator. A biblical leader does not lead by arbitrary control. You want to sink a company? And many have been sunk. They lead by arbitrary control. In fact, is they sometimes they have got the, the, the book brought out is that they have the idea that if we let go of the bad people, we let go because the, the program didn't work. We get rid of those, and we're going to find people that's going to replace the program instead of finding what the problem was. Arbitrary control. Here's what it says. Neither the husband nor the wife should attempt to exercise over the other an arbitrary control. Do not try to compel each other to yield to your wish. You cannot do this and retain each other's love. In other words, if you wanted your home to be a happy place, where angels love to be, you cannot afford to be arbitrary. Now, there's going to be some people who say, disagree with me. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I haven't seen it work where a husband is arbitrary or a wife is arbitrary. Love grows what? Cold. One of the, one of the um, things that I have witnessed in the years is that that love grows cold and then what happens to the family? There's an explosion. And lies and che- lies and a few other things happen. 
God has designed man to rule over like Jesus does. Jesus rules as a servant. Right? Bringing out the best. Ellen White has been very clear so far. And we're going to look at a few more things and I'm going to be finished. The biblical man never asks his wife to have blind devotion. It is a mistake to imagine that with blind devotion she is to do exactly as her husband says in all things when she knows that in doing doing injuring injury would be work for her body and her spirit which have been ransomed from the slavery of Satan. Wow. I can't say it any better than what God has said to his servant. But our homes need to be a place where we serve each other. Where we build each other up. Where our children feel that mom and dad love each other. And that, not, that you make decisions together that is not arbitrary. I not know of a man who doesn't like a new car. I love new cars. How many love new cars? How many like you ever get in a new car and smell that smell? I haven't bought a new car in years. In fact, this last new car I bought was 1985. Huh? But I bought a lot of cars since then. But when we sit down together and say, which fits our budget? Okay? And that's a group decision. Let me tell you, how many remember the Taurus show? Shows that they had Taurus came out with them four door car that many men took home and said, "Honey, I bought us a sedan, four doors." He didn't tell you, didn't tell his wife that it was one of the hottest cars on the market in 1989 because it flat out would move, folks. It was the family man's race car. He didn't tell her that. That thing would do 200 miles an hour stock just by cl clipping the governor on it. And you had to know where it was. Okay? God does not want blind obedience to your husband that is against his will. The biblical man never makes his wife feel like a second-class citizen. A little girl that can't make decisions. Here she goes on to say to us, the wife, if she has the Spirit of Christ, will be careful of her words, will control her spirit, and she will be submissive, yet not feeling like she is a bond slave but a companion of her husband. When a man is exacting in his relationship with his wife, he is not walking with Christ. That's a bold statement, isn't it? I'm going to say it again. It can go either way. When a wife is exacting in her relationship with her husband, she is not walking with Christ. 
If the husband is a servant of God, he will not lord it over his wife. He will not be arbitrary and exacting. A man or a woman who want, who expresses Christ likeness will will positively impact their home. One of the things about the Elijah message, if you read it from Malachi, he will turn the father's hearts to their what? And their children's hearts to their father. That only happens when we have a servant attitude in their leadership. If a man expects his expects his his woman to be an angel in his life, then he should first create a heaven for her. And I can change that around and say if a woman expects her man to be her knight in shining armor, then she should first create a heaven for him. It's not one way or the other. We cannot cherish the home affections without too much care. For the home, if the Spirit of the Lord dwells there, is a type of heaven. And if one errs, the other will exercise Christ-like forbearance and not withdraw away. Wow. Powerfully said, I want you to understand. Our homes are where the devil is attacking today. And the devil has been selling one. He's been selling polygamy better than he's been selling it before. But now, but he has sold this. And it is in most, a lot of churches, people believe the Father is the absolute authority. But he is only the absolute authority as long as he has the servant's heart that brings the best out in his spouse. The man expects his wife or his woman to be the angel of his life. Then he should first create a heaven for her by a servant's attitude. Shall we bow our heads? Our gracious Father, we thank you for your kindness and love. Oh, Father, help us to use your Scripture correctly. For the text there, rule over, can be misunderstood and misused, and as you have said through your servant, we have. Help us, O Lord, to be that servant who brings the best out in others. Jesus said, if you want to lead, be the servant. Help us, O Father, as men of the congregation, men of of our homes, help us to lead as a servant, bringing the best out in our spouses and our children. Help the wives to lead as a servant, bringing the best out in their spouse. Or Father, our homes need healing. Our homes need to experience the Christ-likeness that they have not experienced in some of them. Some of them need to experience it more. And when the devil comes knocking, tempting us to say, do not serve each other, O Father, help us to say no to him and become great servants, reflecting the service of Jesus Christ for us to our children, and to our family, and to our church members. In Jesus' name, amen.